the two of us felt that um, we we didn't want to move on from um, Sunday and uh, the the process that we followed so far. Um, because last Thursday, what what happened is we we added quite a significant amount of uh, truth, and the previous Thursday as well. So I'm going to um, trust in the fruit of the spirit and have self-control this evening, and not. And I'm going to try and not add any more information or pieces, and we're going to focus on discussing, processing what have been taught. Um, so if anybody wants to just access their notes of Sunday and uh, so on, then please, that will help. I'm going to ask Anna to to start us off. Because you, you felt that Sunday's teaching was significant for you. Mm. Oh, we got it right once this year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I don't know how much how much feedback I should give. I don't want to. Uh, I think you can you can freely share. I just felt that um, there were at least three significant moments where there was a lot of anointing and where. The moment was weighty, and um, I felt like we didn't, I didn't want to move on. I wanted to stay there, and then you brought another um, piece of the puzzle. I think the significance is that we've all, in the last three years, we've all been waiting for the, for the rest of the revelation of the overcoming, and there was so sort of, by the way... <laughs> without the trumpet or anything like that. It just followed in. Um, the, part, the part that you did on, on Steph, Stephen um, was... I don't even want to add anything to it because it was just... just the way you said that this is the standard that the Lord has said. This is the first martyr for Messiah, it was just um, the whole picture, it just painted so many pictures mm -hmm. and such a deep revelation and understanding and the whole of Sunday to me was a privilege to be part of, it was a gift that was given to us and I keep on having to say to myself, we know things that very few people out there know, we, <laughs> we are so privileged. And um, the crown and the Aaron, the Aaron revelation, that in itself is a big revelation, just bringing it together. And the simplicity of a crown now, after so many questions about it, and <laughs> it's just everything is becoming more and more tangible, more and more real, more and more applicable. And the word that keeps on coming up is wisdom. Wisdom is when knowledge becomes understanding and when it's something that you act on and then it becomes wisdom. So, so yeah, I really just want to thank you for, for the preparation and the, 
and being available for the spirit to speak through you and um, no, I, I don't want to add anything to it it's very special on Sunday okay thank you I think um, I think yeah, just to make sure that we we don't we don't just move on from from that can we can we just discuss among ourselves discuss among ourselves um the the picture of the of Aaron and the the first mention of a crown physically a crown way covering as a crown in the bible um so so let's see what what has taken form what did you hear what did you see what did you receive that's what we would like to share what did you receive um regarding the crown johannes just the aaron part so just the aaron Aaron. Well, first of all, I've never read that, so that was like a first to me when I heard that there was something that literally said separated unto the Lord on his head. I never knew that a priest was had a crown, or that a king didn't, because I wasn't ever in the Old Testament, so that was also something I learned. So, um... Well, I've read over this like probably 15 times since Sunday. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. But that was because I had my Bible at school, so, you know. Cool, but you re-looked at it. You you looked at it and you... (laughs) No, I had my Bible at school. And so all the time that the other people wasted, I would take it out and read. So that was about half the time. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, Basically. Um... But when you also spoke about where it says in 1 Corinthians 11 about the man being the made in the image of God and the head being the glory of God. Let me just read it rather. Because that was also nice. Where it says... um, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. And then, so when he covers his head, it's not covering his head, it's just like saying it's his head is separated unto the Lord. So at first I was like, but why would he cover his head if it says don't cover your head? Because it was separated unto the Lord and because it is the image and the glory of God. So, it's like... Hmm. And I could, like, immediately during the week start sort of implementing and I could pick up things everywhere about this. Very good. Very good. Very good. Okay. Elsa, for you? What do you have? <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, yes, it was quite significant because I also wasn't aware that um, the priest was wearing a crown and not the king, and that the king gets anointed, but the priest gets a crown. Um, it's, it was sort of, as we are also called priests and kings, um, it was that part of renewing the mind. Why do you get the crown? Why does it, why does it keep focusing on the head? So that was sort of part for me about um, also just renewing the mind to be set apart for the Lord. So, yeah. Exactly. Very good. Very good. There is a lot of emphasis placed on on the head. I don't know, just choose one. <laughs> you did a project on clouds. <laughs> was it pure gold? It was real gold. But it was more to do with um, the coronation and the beginning of the monarchy. Monarchy? Monarchy. Monarchy, yes. Um, but I, I think for me the main... It touches on what everyone else has said, but I think the main thing for me, like the theme I felt on Sunday was holy. Like mm-hmm. when worship started, it kind of like that's what was ushering in the holiness of God. And then the teaching kind of expanded that. Um, and then also ending the teaching with Proverbs, I thought was, it was like cutting me as well, but there was a ceiling, like, I don't know, it's like an oil and a cutting at the same time. So I thought that was really good. It's like, yeah, there's like a newness happening, which is amazing, but also solidifying and clarifying roles, coverings, crowns, priests, kings, like, so I think, yeah. Very good. So, yeah, I'll just, I'll, we'll get back to what you just opened up as well. So, so holiness separation, major theme, holiness. Yes, Leon. <laughs> You look like you have something to say. Yeah. <laughs> now, firstly, for me, it was actually shocking to see how distorted everyone was in terms of the king wearing the crown and and how warped this world has has influenced all of us. Because that was the first thing I also thought was the king should wear the crown. So that was a huge uh, eye opener. But then thinking a lot about Aaron or Aaron on uh, with a crown and the the pure gold and there's so many aspects related to that. It's 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 first of all the pure gold and I mentioned that to you earlier today. It's, it, it has to go through the furnace many times to get to the pure gold. So there's a lot of um, aspects related to that. So the fire of the Lord. So you have to be pure to be able to to wear the crown, first of all. And then also 
the link that is made to the tabernacle and that it's the same um, I don't know what the word is but it, it's a, it's a it's a rep, replication of of the two it fits into each other and that was also amazing to un, to really understand the the meaning of that it's not just a crown it it, it it's not just symbolic it's 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 enormous you know and, and that was just putting that all together uh, makes me understand what what it's all about but I don't think I really can uh, get to it uh, in that sense it's just enormous mm. I can see what you what you're looking at it's, it's big what have you got to say about <laughs> please <share with us. laughs> um so, so, so yeah. That's that's just to catch you up. In short, uh, in looking at um, we're looking at the the concept in the Bible of the crowns and the interpretation of crowns being rewards. So Paul says we run as one wanting to win the crown. And then there's the crown that will be given by the Lord on the day, the end of time. And there's the crown of glory, there's the crown of righteousness. And the church interpretation always has been that we are individually going to be rewarded crowns according to certain things we did or callings, especially that we lived out. And so the thought process was, if we want to understand crown, the golden rule is first, in, first mention in the Bible will help with the interpretation. So you go to the first place in the Bible. So we, simultaneously we're teaching everybody um, a biblical process, a process of biblical interpretation. So if we're going to answer a question out of the Bible, we want to follow a process. And uh, one of the uh, golden rules is you go look for the first mention. Because the first mention is going to set you on a course, and now you can track uh, the, the aspect of the Bible or the dynamic in the Bible that you're trying to understand. And so we looked for first mention, and we said to everybody, where would you go look for the first mention of a crown in the Bible? Everybody assumed first king of the Jews, and that would be Saul. And so we went to Saul, and there was no crown. The caption says coronation of Saul, funny enough, but there's no crown given. Saul is anointed by Samuel. And so God does a whole lot of things with Saul, but he doesn't receive a crown. So the first king doesn't receive a crown. Then we go look at King David, and there's no crown. He doesn't receive a crown, but he does get anointed. And so the first mention of crown in the Bible is Aaron. When the tabernacle and the priesthood is set into place by God, then he, for him, has made a head covering that um, the high priest should, priest should wear. It's called a crown. And uh, it is a plate made out of gold. And on the plate is written, Holiness unto Yahweh. And holiness, we know, the original meaning and application of the word is simply separation, separated. Separated. So separated unto Yahweh is written on the high priest's head covering. And the significance of it is what we want to 
just talk about again tonight and see what people heard, what they took out of it, and so forth. Um, Anushka, for you? Um, I had also the same like uh, like Leon for me it was very significant that the overlay on, of the that that crown or plate was gold and that is like a, a Ark of the Covenant um, and the whole week was very big emphasis on, on separation and holiness and I uh, had to ask myself, what does that mean practically in our lives? Uh, um, so, it would mean every sense of the word separation, that would mean sanctification of speech, separated from the common things, um, um, from common relationships, um, from common speech, uh, common thoughts, you know. So uh, it was quite a lot. And um, when I stood there in Isaiah, uh, where um, he describes the the throne and and the, the seraphim flying around, covering eyes and feet. Uh, and obviously they are in the throne room, so they, they are... Um, <laughs> the closeness to the throne shows that they are still created creatures, but they're holy enough to be around the throne. Um, it just made um, myself tiny and and unworthy, and then obviously the only way to is to remind myself that uh, in myself I cannot be anything only because I'm baptized into the Messiah uh, as I we can approach the, the Lord only through through Messiah. So, yeah, I don't know if that made any sense. It did, uh, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. It is, um, yeah, it's, uh, what I just realized is this, the separation. See, your point of view, what you just shared, is um, from such a different perspective than uh, most other people in the world because it hardly occurs to believers to think about the right to approach God because mm -hmm. most people would assume that if I just have faith uh, yeah, I can approach God the individual actually think they can approach God it just shows you how differently when we, when we come into the reality of the word, the kingdom, who God really is, who the body really is. It's okay. Um, the, uh, the reality of that 
different mindset, a different attitude, a different understanding. So that we would never even consider or dare approaching Yahweh as, as me. That would be futile, it would be deadly. In reality, in, in eternal truth, we can never be undressed from Him, but He still needs to help us as little children understand the reality of it in these ways. Because otherwise we would approach Him in our mind, and then the danger would be not to even approach Him. Because if, I approaching, if I'm approaching a God and it's not a holy God, then I would be totally allowed to approach, and it wouldn't be the holy God of the Bible. So that's the danger. But these understandings are uh, wisdom understandings. Um, let's ask one of the virtual friends. <laughs> okay, so uh, Marizan, lach as iets gaan sê. Um, your accent, wow, sorry, English. Um, I think for me a big thing on Sunday that stood out was... Can you hear me? Yes, no. we can hear you. I only hear myself, but that's great. Okay. Um, on Sunday, I think for me, what was beautiful was just how... The whole crowding process, I think we would expect this whole... Uh, yeah, because he, the king is not actually getting crowned, he's anointed and the, the, because it's swapped around. It was beautiful for me how it was just like, that is how it is. Almost a, a finished work, um, just being represented, being like, it's actually that you're just remembering that you are actually <laughs> already anointed and separated onto the Lord. Um, that was really beautiful to me because one would expect this big ceremony and crowning and receiving this reward and receiving this, I don't know, you are now. And the Lord is kind of just, you are separated onto me because you are in Messiah. Um, I don't know, that kind of stood out for me. Um, I must be honest, I'm backtracking a bit. So <laughs> the the part that Leon said at the end of the session with the gold that had to be sanctified and that was the vehicle gold that was on his head um, was just beautiful to me. Thinking of the fire and the, and the things we bring and sacrifices that's being constantly burned up, linking to Thursday's last week's meeting. That was really beautiful to me, I and mean, then wearing it on the head um, with renewing the mind. Um, yeah, I think those are still, still a bit loose days that used to be in Eiffel, and I still want to sit a bit more, but um, didn't as, as much this week as I would have wanted to. But on Sunday, oh, that was quite a lot of the things that stood out for me. Hmm, that's very helpful. Thank you. And um, yeah, it's beautiful to see how well you understand it. Thank you. Uh, Hanley? 
actually feel intimidated in a way. Um, even though I know we've been separated and we have access to God, um, most of the times lately, when I have a question and I want to approach him, there's something, something extremely intimidating about the idea of approaching God. I think it's just because I'm starting to realize the weight of his majesty, maybe, but it's um, and the whole process of being refined is it's great, but it's it's scary and it's intimidating. And even like even though I'm through the process, the, the work has been finished. Through this process, I still get thoughts of I'm get out of life at the other end. I think um, we all know what you are trying to express and what you are expressing. I think it's familiar. Is it familiar to everyone? Um, only it is um, the utmost importance that that we mature into and are brought into the the awareness of God's holiness. It is something that is surely lacking I think in the in the consciousness in the actions in the attitude uh, of 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 most of of humanity on in the world especially the believing uh, community um, there cannot be enough emphasis on the holiness of God on the majesty of God um, I think even our understanding of His Holiness are, are only in, the, in a developmental stage. I think we are only in the stages of discovering, beginning to uh, discover His Holiness. Um, but yet, I want you to remind you that um, if there was anyone but Moses, anyone at all, that understood God's Holiness and His power, it was Joshua. And it says that he never left. He, he remained in the presence of the Lord. And I think that um, that is the picture we also want to remember, is that when, when it really mattered, after many years of him remaining in the presence of the Lord, he had enough understanding, enough vision, enough, um, enough understanding of God's power, His might, and His holiness, to be willing to enter the promised land, despite the giants and despite the challenges. So, so we have to balance the two. Um, we are undone by His holiness so that we can become what we're supposed to. And that is sometimes a bit intimidating and painful. But beneficial, ultimately. So... So the only way to, to deal with His Holiness is remain in the presence of His Holiness as, um, as much as you can. It's only scary when you come back in.
that okay? Sunday was immense revelation. Um, the Aaron revelation was incredible. The fact that he became part of the temple. It was, yeah. Erna, did you want to stay there? I wanted to stay there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to soak that up. It was just. And, um, but then when you went, when you ended off with the Proverbs, I was kind of shocked. The way that you guys shifted gears. Um, it was immense cutting for me as well. Um, and I realized that sometimes we think we no longer have pride. And then it just surf it just it just surfaces like that again. And the fact that you said that if you keep falling it's caused by pride. And the fact that you said that the whole thing about the gates and putting up those gates and then it causes destruction. Um, I could identify with that completely. And so I had to repent. Um and just bringing you back again to humility, humility, humility. Just bringing you back to that. You can't. You can never hear that enough. I can never hear that enough. Um, and then the whole, th the whole plate, golden plate with the inscription on the crown of the high priest, related for me to the mark. And I kept going to Revelation 3, Revelation 3. For me, it's, I don't know, there's a connection. He's still opening it up. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the overcoming part, I kept every scripture, not every scripture, but many scriptures on overcoming. I was just on overcoming this whole week. Um, Revelation Three is full of it. It's, it's everywhere. Um, but the scripture about he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. Um, that the fact that you talked about Stephen, Stephanos, meaning crown in Greek, um, him being the standard of the over, of overcoming. Um, how. when he gave up his spirit and still interceded, how he became a pillar in the temple. Um, that for me was it's, it's almost like the, the, the temple is starting to open up for me. Um, but the plate on the crown of the high priest saying separated is 
linked for me to I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Imagine for a second. Imagine for a second, in this life, right now, God decides to write in golden, supernaturally shining golden letters on your forehead, His name. And then He leaves you here. So now think about the revelation that Johanna started opening up. Would you dare cover your head? Wow. When you go to the mall so nobody would know? Yeah. Sure. Sure. <coughs> Yahweh in pulsating gold on your forehead. That's what he says when he says man is the image and the glory of God. He's not talking about putting a hoodie on your head. Image and the glory of God. Say, so yeah, that's the reality. That's the reality of the overcoming. Hmm. How would that impact? How would that impact everything? Was there more, Lizzo? So now put yourself in Aaron's shoes. He has to go into the Holy of Holies. It's a great help to have, what's significant about gold? It's heavy. And he's not supposed to be sought a drop. But it helps. Look, if we're going to have to kind of check our thoughts, keep it, it helps to have a heavy golden plate pressing down on your head, your brain. It's helping him. Separate it onto Yahweh. So all you look, it would help just to focus on the heavy thing on your head because that's like, okay, how else are you going to not forget to think the right thing? So see how the whole thing is, um, it's impressive. It's, it's such a picture for us, the newing of the mind, the weightiness of truth, of the, revela the revelation of him as a person, of you in him. It really... It, it really moves my heart when we speak around this table about being in Messiah as such a reality. Mm -hmm. It's our reality. Your crown was about seven kgs. That's what the estimate of that weight, which is a lot. Sure. But obviously it's more. That's why I needed the turban. 
put it on the turban. Yeah, <coughs> you need it to turban, yeah. So yeah, the, what you're sharing with us, it's significant. Significant. Madeleine? Okay. JP? I think Revelations 4, mm-hmm. where the elders, 24 elders sat around the throne, each with a crown on his head, mm. and bowing down every now and again, bowing down to the Lord, mm. to praise and worship Him. Mm. The, yeah, the elders is definitely a picture that we will meditate upon for a long time. Mm. There's much understanding to be going there. What is the value of true kingdom authority? What's the real value? We said we were not going to add tonight. <laughs> What's the real value of true kingdom authority on earth? People could, if you could purchase it, what would we pay for it? Actually, we'd like to think we would pay a lot, but in reality, it can be gained by every son and daughter of God, and yet it has very little value to most. Most people will try and get a little bit of authority just so they can drive demons out. Now that takes very, very little authority to drive, drive a demon out. Anybody can do that. It's not authority. It's not even, it's not even, it's given. He says, I give you authority. They didn't have to grow in it. They just, he says, there you go, go do it. That's the be- beginning, beginning of authority. There's something to think about. JP? Um, I just have some drips and crabs that year and there. I'm still chewing in the whole thing. But it's it's so nice to see how, I don't know, maybe easy to explain. It's like the gears from the beginning of the year that's about the different principles and stuff like that and how that just ties in now with the different crowns um, and it feels like if you don't really apply that then the gears are like grinding against each other instead of working to make everything else fit in place um, and the whole separation thing as well I, I used to think it's just say like two sides of a coin it's the same but it's the different sides but now it feels like Separation is just like completely different from from that because even though we're still walking among all the unbelievers and we are of this world and not from this world, 
it's just now opened up to it's like two completely separate things um, and um, like Hanley also said I used to look at it as who am I to approach the throne room and with that fear of not and like Anushka also said we can't go in there with ourselves we need to completely renew that to him uh, one of the other things as well is um, that I thought about is the way we the way you guys opened up separation to us last year and how big of an impact that that made into our lives up until now um, just how big of an impact this is going to have on us in a year's time um, because like you also now mentioned with the holiness on our heads and Paul basically living his entire life preaching the gospel not just twice a week if we really start living like that how are our lives going to be different from from what it is now so there's a lot of different pieces that I'm chewing on and trying to make the bigger picture fit but yeah it just feels like if there's again the foundational building blocks and the principles if there's one thing not in place the gears can't really turn and unfold the bigger picture okay. so yeah, a lot of scrambling but it's um I like the way you're looking at it if you take two believers, two believers with exactly the same potential, so they're going to receive all the same uh, ability, so they're going to receive exactly the same amount of talents. Two servants. One is going to approach serving God and his own discipleship in a super spiritual way. So spend 10 hours a day in the Word, pray for 6 hours and do good deeds, go visit the orphans and, gospel, and preach the Gospel in the mall every Saturday evening. The other believer faithfully has his quiet time his time with the Lord, seek the Lord, worship the Lord in time when it is, and live his life implementing carefully all the principles. This believer will look like he's growing much slower. He won't look as wise or as impressive as the other person, but give it only two years. This person would have grown today, and this person only today. That's what the principles will do. The principles don't look very very spiritual. Why? Why will that happen? Because we said the principles are exactly exactly the, it works the same way as the people that were navigating ships on the open ocean according to the stars. The person that's not work, working according to the principles but just seeking um, spiritual interaction, spiritual growth, spiritual, the Holy Spirit talk to me, Holy Spirit give me this, Holy Spirit this. They're going to be sailing all the way in circles and not in a straight line. Where the person that navigates by the principles are going to very simply not waste time getting lost. 
Easy as that. So once you've identified that now, you, you, you also identified it right in the beginning, what happens when you fit only two cocks together? Mm. Now you put a big one and another big one and another big one. It's going to slow down more friction, more everything, but what, what happens? You can move a big machine with it. That's the difference. Interesting nav navigation was called wayfinding. Hmm. The way. Very practical. Mm. So the Israelites simply navigated by those things in the wilderness that remained stationary, the same mountain, stream. Abram. Abram. Figure out. First time you feel like you're lost because you're discovering what is going to be stationary and stable the first round of the round. I mean, you know, know there's going to be a mountain, you go, hmm, who knew there's a mountain? <laughs> Second time you come around, you go like, the mountain is still there. Third time you don't see the mountain, but you kind of expect it's going to be there, and that's how you're going to know that you have traveled in the right direction. That's how it works. Principles. Leonie, feedback from Sunday. Wait, wait, wait. Hold that. <laughs> the mosaic pieces are still like a little bit separate. <laughs> I think um, and I think what has not been mentioned that really um, struck me was um, when you spoke about not to lose your crown. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think because there's so many situations and practical um, places um, where that's applicable. Um, and I was just thinking also, sorry, I'm jumping around, um, about that picture that you showed us last year about Jacob lying down and his head being the temple and kind of just st starting to just, like, open up a little bit more. And I'm on the same kind of page as Anishka, and sorry, I didn't hear everyone else, but um, about the practical implications about what does it mean to be separated so if um, we were Israelites in the days of uh, the tabernacle just being finished and they um, and they put an ad in the local newsletter to the Israelites saying um, vacancy open we interviewing people for the office of high priest I, I think people would line up, actually. Fools would rush in, that's for sure. Fools would rush in. Criteria of how you choose the ones that don't 
Okay, now we know who not to choose. Fools <laughs> would rush in. Okay, so, so you're right. It's going to be challenging. No, it's going to be challenging. At least um, in Messiah, it's not about our righteousness, and yet we have to learn to live according to the righteousness that we have been mm. given. Um, but reality, um, I don't even want to imagine the night before the Day of Atonement being the high priest. Mm. Okay, um I don't think people would mind that. People knew. They don't they even want to No, there was yeah. a bunch of people that came and said they wanted their job later on. I mean yeah, this happened. This actually happened. It's like yeah, why do you get the nice job? The reality is that um like when it came down the mountain they were like, No, thank you. But yes, please send me into the small confined room. <laughs> Alone. <laughs> For in case I drop dead. But you see, we have a natural ability to think, well, I'm going to make it. The rope's there and I'm like, no worries. You know? <laughs> on the one hand, on the other hand, we, um, you know, we, we have to acknowledge the fact that yeah, it's a higher call. Mm. I mean, I believe that the moment they put that plate on my head saying holiness unto the Lord, I would have just probably dropped dead <laughs> out of pure fear. Yeah. It's probably what would, would, would have happened to me. I mean, imagine them placing that on your head. The one inscription ordained by God, saying, Holiness unto Yahweh. Hmm? And yet, He calls you by name. Do you dare say no? That's who we are. So, if he calls you, don't say no. Okay, so we don't, we learn not to question, not to, not to try and process how hard it is, how difficult it is, or what it is. You don't say no to the call, and yet, the rest of it is going to be what it what it is. So he didn't ask Aaron, would you consider? <laughs> and he didn't ask Aaron's sons, uh, go think about it, make a decision, come back tomorrow. And dead, when they do the wrong thing, he kills them. Mm. And we're not saying he's not a loving God. Because mm. he did provide. He provided for our separatedness, for the holiness He provided for it. 
So he didn't ask Aaron to be holy. He put his holiness upon him, his name upon him. Mm. All Aaron had to do was kind of stay upright. But that's what I keep thinking now. <laughs> okay, Aaron, Aaron, all you have to do, don't fall over your feet, don't trip over anything. That's it. Go in, come out. That's it. Be, be on time. Get, get the date right. That's it. Okay. So the fact is that we don't, we emphasize the holiness of God, we emphasize the severity of God, but we also remember that it's His goodness that leads us to repentance. It's His righteousness that He imputes to us. And He's not asking you for your righteousness. The, the, yes. This is what I keep thinking, not in any way minimizing the enormity of the responsibility or just the realization of having to wear that heavy golden plate saying holiness to the Lord. But like you said now, he didn't choose Aaron because Aaron was holy. He chooses to place his holiness on Aaron. And for some reason, I'm just thinking because there's this heavy golden plate resting over his head. There's some kind of sense of security um, for me. I mean, how thick was the gold? We don't know, but seven kilograms of gold covering your head, somehow that just feels kind of safe on the inside. Um, because you are going to go in there and you are going to face His Holiness, and yet His Holiness is covering you, kind of the way He covered Moses. That kind of idea. And, um, and the only thing Aaron has to do is follow very simple routines and actions um, and just do what he has to do. He doesn't have to do more. He doesn't have to do less. He just does it at the right time, the way that the Lord stipulated. And his holiness is covering him while he is doing that. So yes, there is a severity and there is this uh, intimidation that comes with it, but at the same time I'm sensing this security and the safety of being covered by His holiness while doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's very important. He just has to... He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to be creative. Mm. He doesn't have to come up with anything new. Mm. He doesn't have to do anything extra. We've been ministering this since we came back from Uganda. This is the same thing. That's what we've got to understand. Stick to the principles. Combine it with the eternal truths. That's all we do. It becomes difficult when we do something extra. We feel like we need to do something. That's where it becomes difficult. It becomes difficult when we don't adhere to the principles. Mm -hmm. 
or we don't think in line with eternal truths. That's when it becomes that's that's when it becomes difficult. So yes, maybe in the beginning it looks difficult to learn. I'm sure I'm sure Aaron's first day was quite stressed. Am I gonna remember everything? Fair enough. There's a time when we have to still learn the procedure and uh, yeah, the the sequence of things and how it has to be done. It's true. But you know, it would be worse if God said, Can you come up with a priesthood that's gonna satisfy me? I mean that's that would have not been good. He just tells them exactly what he wants, how he wants it. What he did with us, he tells us exactly how he wants things, what he wants. Okay, it's going to take some effort and some paying of attention and some practice to remember and to get it right. But at least he's not asking us to come up with new ways in which to please him. Yet, for some reason, we insist on doing that. On the one hand, we called predestined, we elected, justified, so that he can glorify us. He has provided. So we have to, we understand, and this is something that we still want to make sure everybody learns to live according to. He is not going to provide. He has provided. Okay, if you're walking on the road and there's no provision, turn around, go back to where you turned off the road. It's pretty simple. Okay, if you're walking on the road that you're not supposed to be on and you're praying for provision, you're wasting your time. He has provided. Okay, if you're just walking straight in a straight line, you will eventually get to the tree that's bearing the fruit and the stream that has the fresh living water. You will get it's there. When you need it, it's there. Not sooner, not later. Okay? He has provided. Now, and that's true, but it's one side of a coin. On the other side of the coin, we are also looking at the reality, and that's why we're doing rewards, judgment, and crowns. Because on the other side of this coin, he says he's going to come back to settle the account. So the one servant decided to bury the talent. So he's not misusing it, not abusing it, didn't use it for himself. Master comes back and says, there you go. I'm giving you back what you gave me, what belongs to you. Unharmed, unscathed. He's not getting judged because it's damaged. Or even because he lost any of it. He just didn't do anything with it. <clears throat> and so that's the two sides of the coin. Did everybody hear that? that we are looking at. Because that's where the danger lies for so many believers. The moment we teach the grace, the provision, the finished work of God to its full extent, we run the risk of going, well then, 
I'm sorted. So the question that we're looking at is, what is the right works? What is our responsibility? What is um, our reasonable service? What is the being a living sacrifice? What is expected of us? He did give me righteousness, but he's expecting me to do something with it and to respond in a certain way. He gave me his spirit, but I have to respond in a certain way. And so that's what we're doing, looking at two sides of that coin so that we can make sure that um, it's, it's, it's not a difficult balance, it's just understanding and applying ourselves to that understanding and wisdom. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're busy doing, that's what we're looking at. So let's discuss, there was, there was the Aaron point, then there was the Stephanus point. So that was the Lord again putting a aspect of the prophetic unfolding in place into the storyline, using a person for the purpose, um, giving him a name that actually signified himself as a crown, as receiving the crown, representing the standard of the crown. And it's not in him dying. People make the mistake to think that what makes him significant is him dying for the gospel. No, it's the standard of the crown that he's putting in place. So, can we just see what 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 did you hear? What did you understand regarding that revelation? What is there? Who wants to venture? Self-control. Mm. And even in that moment, interceding, that was immense for me. Um, the standard of self-control. And the fact that God didn't even let him see what was, he wasn't focused on what was happening to him. He, he was already in the throne room. His vision was already there. Mm. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. gnashing their teeth is to actually proclaim everything. He, he completed the whole story. Mm. And I first thought it was they gave him the opportunity and I don't think it's that way. I mean, that was my first thought when I read that, but it was his authority mm. to be able to do that. So he had to complete the whole declaration, if I could put it that way, to really cut with the sword the way that, that it needed to. Mm. Mm. But isn't it again the same thing like Aaron? He didn't have to do anything. He just had to surrender to the spirit that was in him who would speak. 
What we did a bit back about the Lord himself on the cross, not dying until it was time. So kind of, and you also see throughout the Gospels, you see that time and again, the Jews want to either stone him or throw him off the cliff or, you know, kill him right there and then. And yet it says that because it wasn't his time, he could slip through them or disappear. It was kind of like the Lord was protecting him because it wasn't time yet. And then him even staying alive, kind of the Holy Spirit, I feel like keeping him alive until everything was done. And then he could, because then it was finished. It was really finished. And I feel like that was the same, when you just said that, I thought that it was the same kind of thing. The Lord allowing Stephen to stay alive so he can finish his witness. And then when it was finished, then he could give his spirit back. Kind of the thing of bringing back what God had given him, but living it out to the full before doing so. I don't know. It's kind of... It's very good. Which is also the same as with the Lord, because you did a thing a while back, I remember with Johannes, where you said when Yahushua was in the garden, praying, sweating blood, praying to the Father, what does the Father answer him? And you realize he doesn't, because he's already made his will known, and the Son knows that. He does send an angel to strengthen him, but he doesn't have to say anything. And kind of, there's also a strength in that, because in him not responding, his will remains steadfast and sure, and the plan remains sure. There's no option for deviation. So, you see, we need to apply this in our lives. There was a time in my walk when I was younger in the Spirit, I really... Wanted to depend on, I would know that he heard me. I would know that he was going to respond, that he would supply, that he would provide, that he would strengthen me, that he would help me, that he did love me. Only if he responded in some way. That has changed completely. I don't expect him to respond. He has spoken, I believe his word. His word will remain true. And I will find what he has prepared for me when I get there. Because his word is true. If he does show me something or respond, then it's really nice, but it's not my expectation. It's also not my need.
He responded to me on the cross. And he responded to me at my baptism. Mm. Nothing more needed. And I'm not saying that he's not responding. Not saying that. Mm. But my faith in him, my trust in him is not going to depend on his response. He has responded. Will I find out that I'm accepted when I get there? No. He called me. That was the response. Before I did anything. While I was there, still dead in trespasses. So... All the forms of doubt and distrust and feeling abandoned and wondering why he's not responding, that's just sin and unbelief. Pardon? It's Marisa. Pride. Pride. Pride, yes. <laughs> no, you don't have to you. <laughs> you 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 quite a we that helps, thank you, it is pride, yes. No, you're supposed to be on. It's fine. You're supposed to be in the room. Um, one of one of the concerns that we are addressing also in the process. So we're doing several things in layers all at the same time, um, for the sake of discipleship. One of the um, Safety measures that we're implementing through this process is that also because of um, we we are small, very small group of people fellowshipping together. Um, we carefully moving in agreement, okay. And we have the privilege of understanding much of the word and receiving more revelation. But uh, there's nobody that has a, a, a complete oversight of the word and a, and a full grasp of the word yet. Now, what I'm concerned, not concerned about, but, but I'm, I'm have some concern to be careful about is that we now don't, none of the people here get into a position where when we interact with the world out there, without realizing, we are going to say, yes, but I know the, I know the truth, you, you're just wrong. Mm. We go like, well, uh, what you're saying is not sounding right because you don't understand the word, this is how it is. Because you see, there's people from, that we encounter when we're out there that will just assume, they'll just throw a whole lot of scriptures at you without understanding. So I'm looking at the guy, I'm going like, I see immaturity, you have a lack of understanding, yet you're so convinced that you're telling me the truth, you're so convinced that you know what you're speaking about, that you're not hearing a word I'm saying. 
So I'm going like, this is not even, it can never be a two-way conversation. I, I could have learned from him, he could have learned from me. We could have had fellowship in a biblical way that could have led to us both growing in humility. And it could have led to relationship. Could have led to deeper fellowship. Even if he starts off with some things that I've considered to be misunderstanding or false doctrine, and even if he thinks I'm busy with saying the wrong thing, if we approached it and I'm going to hear what he's saying, understand and consider what he's saying, and then carefully consider what does the word say so that we can understand each other and rather find each other, then it's beneficial for everybody. But usually, look, 10 out of 10 times, a conversation with a, a believer from a different viewpoint is not going to go that way. The guy's just going to go like, I know what I'm talking about, you don't know what you're talking about, so I'm just going to tell you what you're supposed to believe. And we want to make sure that nobody in this fellowship has that attitude. Yeah, you don't want us to be that guy. No, no that please. Guy that thinks that knows so I'm very, that's why we're doing this. That's why we look, we're looking at one of the difficult questions. Um, we're looking at a question that pertains to doctrine that is generally accepted in the entire church and we're not just going to assume they're wrong if we are going to question whether they're right or not then we have to meticulously work through the word and be honest about what we find and what we see and go like I'm not going to take a shortcut I'm going to do this properly and I'm going to try and understand why they have, they're taking the viewpoint that they are taking. They're taking the stance that they are taking. I have to understand how did they arrive there. Why are they believing what they're believing? Because maybe there's some value in their viewpoint. And, and be careful not to come across self-righteous. And maybe I'm not just coming across self-righteous. Maybe I'm just being plain self-righteous in the process. We've, we've been looking at the question on the table from all kinds of angles. We're doing the work and we're blessed by the process. But we have not, we have not arrived at an answer. We have not settled on an answer. We know what some of the information is, but we have not finished. We have literally not finished our search in the Word because we have agreed that we reserve ourselves from assuming that we know the answer until we have again gone through the process and we have together arrived at the answer even if it's the answer we thought we had before we're not going to assume it today I had to, we had to remind each other again and go we're not going to assume we know we're going to read it and we're going to just dissect it pray about it consider it meditate on it because we're not assuming that we know that's how we become unteachable and stubborn